Ciao. You're listening to EdUp Insights, where you'll get my take on higher education. I'm Bill Pepicello, former president of University of Phoenix and higher ed vagabond. So let's get started. Well, you know, podcastees, in a recent post on LinkedIn, Joe Saluscio raised some really interesting points concerning competition and marketing in higher education. And he rightly points out that higher education understands the concept of competition, but not so much how it applies as the real world is now impinging on the sacrosanct higher ed community. So I wanna discuss some of uh, the points that Joe raises, um, although I wanna make it clear, uh, this podcast is not about Joe, because Joe's so vain, he'll probably think this podcast is about him, but it's not. But in any event, what does it mean when we say that higher ed doesn't really understand competition Well, I'm glad I asked. It means, as Joe says, that higher ed is aware of competition inside of the higher education community, that is institutional competition. Now, that competition is relatively easy to deal with. Traditional and even non-traditional institutions have pretty much similar structures, programmatic offerings, an array of services uh, that are proffered in their marketing campaigns, and aha, Here we go, marketing. Here we have it. It's a competition of who can show the most happy, prosperous students working in clean, modern facilities and then becoming pillars of the community. Then we add in layers of extras like scholarships and special tuition reduction, accelerated programs, and other discounts that make programs more attractive. Many institutions will also play on their brands, either locally or nationally, or on widely publicized specialty curricula or sports teams. Now this, as Joe would agree, you would agree, wouldn't you, Joe, is what institutional competition is all about. But this approach is myopic and is rapidly becoming counterproductive as access to knowledge of all kinds has been democratized far beyond the ivy-covered walls of academia. So how have things changed? Well, first, as I discuss in episodes 59 and 69 of this exciting podcast series, we see that public confidence in higher education is diminishing. Students increasingly are looking uh, to alternatives to the traditional degree options that institutions offer, which are often constricting and sluggish and sometimes out of step with the needs of the workplace. I know that's harsh, but it's accurate. The fact is that institutions of higher education only really compete with each other once students have actually committed to getting a formal education. But it appears that that base may be eroding as a rich array of credentials and training programs are available now on multiple platforms that provide the benefit of access, flexibility, and workforce approbation. So Joe asks, (coughs) excuse me, do we really understand who we are competing with and what we are competing against? I'd say nope, and why? Because the perspective of higher education is too narrow. It's focused inward. So Joe, who is a marketer extraordinaire, says we need to look someplace else first, namely at what he calls the interest funnel for education and what's at the top of it. That is, The first competitor for higher education to contend with is not an it, 
it's a what. The first competitor is in fact convincing students that they should go to college. Wow, never thought of that, huh? Well, you know, at least since post-World War II GI Bill, higher education has assumed its dominance in providing post-secondary education of all kinds. You didn't have to convince people to go to college. It was a sine qua non, like that fancy phrase, a sine qua non for success in society. The bachelor's degree became the gold standard and it was valued by students and employers and of course by institutions. And the key word here is utility. So let's start there for now. <clears throat> I have said repeatedly, and I'm not alone, that the stark pragmatic reality in America is that education has to now provide immediate demonstrable utility. When surveyed, students overwhelmingly support this view. Oh yeah, they want an education that will enhance their ability to contribute to society as responsible citizens, and they want to have an education that will instill values and uh, values and principles that will enrich their lives. But foremost, they need and want an education that will provide them a solid economic base to pursue all the rest. That's the priority list. Uh, it's commonly called reality. So where is higher ed missing the mark? Well, once again, young Joe causes this, uh, the scales to fall from our eyes. Okay, that's pretty dramatic, but I like it. The point is that higher education needs to look outward. Joe rightly points out that artificial intelligence, Joe is a real AI freak, by the way, programs are built to provide information on demand. This makes it even harder to convince a potential student that they need to head to college to become an expert at something. Now, what he doesn't uh, say, although he knows this, of course, is that AI is essentially available on many platforms that all of us visit every day. That makes it a match of utility with accessibility and convenience. Oops, here's where higher education is missing the mark on competing at the top of the interest funnel. If higher ed automatically filters out potential students who might be looking for more diverse options, but why would they do that? That means they don't enter the funnel until farther down. So they have missed opportunities and missed revenues and allowing others to reap the benefit of being at the top of the funnel. Now, Joe pulls down a screenshot that boldly announces that YouTube has more than 50 million channels and the, has a link here um, to five of them that claims that they will teach you more than a four-year degree. All right, so I was ready to call bullshit on that just from the pure numbers. So I Googled it, artificial intelligence. And damn, there are pages and pages of hits that might lure learners to what look like accessible, expedient pathways to all kinds of training and education opportunities that are not traditional colleges and universities. And you can explore many of these opportunities at leisure without having to interact with recruiters, admission representatives, or other intermediaries. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? So what's the key here? Well, I'll tell you. It's differentiation and marketing. Traditional higher ed 
largely continues to market as if higher education is a closed system with all of the competition inside of that system. But now many of the alternatives to that system are differentiating themselves. How? Well, that website that announces the availability of non-college pathways is pure marketing genius, and there's a lot of it out there. And the marketing here is not just against one university or one higher ed unit, but against all of higher education. Why would you slog through a labyrinth of institutional bureaucracy when AI will help you click your way to determining your own path? Type in what you're looking for and voila, rouse away. Well, let's talk about marketing and differentiating uh, differentiation a little more. At University of Phoenix, we were often criticized as being an enormous marketing machine. Well, guess what? Guilty as charged. But the question is, why? And here's the answer. University of Phoenix was different from other higher ed institutions in many ways. But the primary difference was that we were dedicated to providing access to education for underserved populations. Hmm, underserved, huh? Well, what did that mean? Well, it meant two basic things. First, students who were snubbed by traditional higher education because traditional higher education was doing just fine without them. Thank you very much. And second, these students were unaware that higher education opportunities existed or how to exist, uh, access those opportunities. In short, this population that the university was dedicated to had been abandoned by traditional higher ed and actually by society more generally. And trust me, I've spoken with hundreds, if not thousands of these folks. Traditional higher ed had defined the educational funnel as beginning with a student profile that did not, that did not allow for the students that University of Phoenix, oh, and now many traditional institutions, would serve. So how to reach this population was the question. And the answer to that was that University of Phoenix redefined the funnel and widened the top to include this disenfranchised group. And the way that we widened the top of the funnel was through mass marketing that highlighted how Phoenix was different from traditional options. You could go at night and eventually online with services and resources provided in convenient formats. You could work by day and learn by night. And you didn't have to sit in a physical classroom with students half your age. Education was accessible at times and places that fit how life works. In short, University of Phoenix integrated education into students' lives, as opposed to treating it as an island where students needed to go and live in a bubble. And higher education hated that. Now, isn't it interesting? that as traditional higher education resources have begun to dry up and society in general has lost confidence in higher education, suddenly this marginalized populace has become identified, appreciated, and dare I say, even cherished by traditional higher ed. The same things that University of Phoenix was reviled for, online classes, virtual libraries, online student services, for example, 
are now becoming the standard. Oh, do I sound a little bit bitter? You bet your sweet ass I am. The university and I and my team all personally weathered the slings and arrows of states, the feds, and the higher ed community in general. And now the same things that we got flogged for are standard fare. So what changed? Easy. The unsustainable business model of traditional higher education is sagging under economic and societal pressure. And make no mistake, it's all about the money. Oh, you say, and University of Phoenix was not all about the money? Well, if you think it was, I invite you to read the autobiography of John Sperling, who's the founder of University of Phoenix. You can get the book on Amazon. It's called Rebel with a Cause. The university, unbeknownst to most people who are listening to this, sprang from a small pilot program that was never intended to be a full-fledged institution. But Sperling saw the value and realized that there was a service to be rendered. He never intended for what became the University of Phoenix to become what it grew into, but he certainly wasn't opposed to it. And all along the way, as he encountered resistance to what he saw as an education cause for him, he persevered against all odds. And the rest is in his book, which is actually a pretty interesting read. So here's my point. University of Phoenix marketed itself against all of higher education and it worked. Now it's on the inside, and much of its marketing looks like everyone else's as it competes with the larger higher ed community. But there's a new player in town. Actually, there's lots of new players, due in large part to artificial intelligence and the general accessibility to knowledge, as Joe points out. There you are, Joe. Now, with artificial intelligence, options that might not have been detectable otherwise are in the mix as students enter the top of the interest funnel. These players are differentiating themselves, often with minimal formal marketing. Traditional higher education will now need to respond to this new reality by differentiating itself from the new array of opportunities and then marketing the heck out of this differentiation. In other words, they have to explain why students would pick traditional higher education over other options? That's a really interesting question for them to have to answer. Ignoring or resisting the new world is not the way forward. And the experience of University of Phoenix should serve as a lesson here. The higher education industry needs a comprehensive strategy to highlight how its value compares to other non-traditional options. And to do this, the first thing it will have to do is get out of its own way. And that's what Joe Saluscio meant to say, right, Joe? And with that, I'll invite you to listen to the next exciting episode. Ciao.